Welcome to King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Before we begin this prayer, I I want to uh, preset you a little bit to not be anxious about how long you have for silence and encourage you to take and be at peace with that time of this prayer. Shall we pray? O Lord, as we gather together in worship, we first admit that we have fallen short time and time again. You have given us your word, both in Scripture and in your Son. You have promised us your presence both in spirit and in community. And you have graced us with your kingdom, both in teaching and in service. Even so, we neglect, ignore, and reject your purposes for us. Hear now our silent prayer of confession. And now we confess together, Gracious Lord, we do not love what you love. We do not embrace what you embrace. We do not defend what you have called us to defend. Have mercy on us, O God of all ages, past and all hope for years to come. Forgive us for what we do and what we fail to do. And with your gifts, promises, and grace, Continue working in our lives that we might receive and share a full life in Jesus Christ so that all may know his love now and forevermore. Amen. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his son to die for you and for his sake, forgives you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. We pray. God, you loved the world so much that you embraced it in all its suffering in your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who sought the way of the cross so that he might come to Easter and offer us the way back to you. We thank you for this time and space apart from the busyness of our lives. Help us to use what we learn in this time, not just in this hour of worship and study, but in the thoughtfulness in which we go about these coming days, listening for your voice in all we do. As you challenge the habits that restrict us and the assumptions that close our minds, give us an ear that listens that we may find words to sustain and the openness to learn through Jesus Christ, our deliverance and our hope. 
Amen. So we are now in week number two after Ash Wednesday, right? Second week of the Red Letter Challenge. And um, the first week was uh, on being, right, last week. And this week, the theme that carries us through is uh, forgiving. And um, the topic that we have tonight is 180 degrees opposite of forgiving. Thank you very much. I just want you to know that's not Krista. Okay? You okay? If Really, if I move, then the sound will go away? Okay. Thank you, Bob. Wow. Okay. That's good. Oh, very good. See? You never know. What's going to happen, how and when? All right, I don't mind. Um, oh, thank you. I didn't embarrass you, I hope, but sorry. Oh, that's just me at the dinner table type thing. Okay, all right. Okay, yes, Phil, you okay? He, they need back there. Yes, and, it, and the bucket's coming around as, as well. Okay, make sure the bucket comes. <clears throat> Um, okay, Mary, thank you. You'll be our runner tonight for, for microphone. Thank you, Rachel. Next week you're committed. Okay, there we go. All right, okay. Um, so anyway, to introduce us into this topic that is 180 degrees opposite of forgiveness, uh, the topic of judging, um, I, I can't skip through this moment without sharing uh, the story that I have loved for a good number of years, story of Stormy McGregor, uh, a young Scottish contractor, uh, actually a painter. And, uh, and Stormy had the desire, always working in his heart, to, to make an extra penny, to let each penny that he ever earned stretch a little bit farther. So in order for that to continue happening, what he would do it would follow is that he would follow the practice of uh, getting a job and then thinning down, stretching out the paint with turpentine. And so that was going pretty well for him. His business was thriving pretty well. And uh, until, uh, as it so happened, the, the Lutheran church uh, in the town where he lived uh, needed to have their largest building painted on the outside. And so the leaders of the church solicited bids, and Stormy came in with the lowest bid, so he got the job. And um, after getting all his stuff together, his paint and his turpentine and his scaffolding, he put the scaffolding up and the planks on the scaffolding, got himself all ready and started painting and painting and putting it on to the paint around the building. Finally, he was nearly finished with this job, uh, in the upper part of the building, when uh, out of the western sky there came this strong wind followed by huge black clouds. And um, 
And before you know it, there was this huge thunderclap going on. Boom. And then the sky opened up, the clouds, and rain came down in buckets. It was just pouring and pouring and pouring badly. And uh, so he started scurrying and trying to finish it off. And then another big boom of thunder came so strong it was that it knocked him off the scaffolding. He fell down to the ground next to the gravestones in the grassy uh, land below the scaffolding, and it was just a big, huge mess. Uh, puddles and puddles of watered-down gray uh, paint mixed with turpentine all around him. And uh, Stormy was no dummy. He knew what was going on. He knew that this was God Almighty exercising judgment on his life. So, shaking from the core of his being, getting onto his knees, he prayed and said, Oh, God, please forgive me. Now, what should I do? And boom, the thunder comes in the words of God. Come to him loud and clear. Repaint, repaint, and sin no more. Sometimes the Bible gives us texts like this evening that are so crunchy that you have to laugh your way into it. So let's open up, if you would, with me to Matthew chapter 7, 1 to 6. Matthew 7, 1 to 6. This is the third, 5, 6, and 7, three chapters usually dedicated to the Sermon on the Mount. This is the third chapter. First chapter 5 deals with uh, piety, prayer and fasting, and, of course, the Beatitudes. Second chapter deals with possessions. And this third chapter, 7, deals with people, interactions between people, relationships between people. And uh, so all I need is my Bible. Excuse me. All right. Here we go. Um, is there someone who would like to read uh, in a reading mode? Anybody? Yes? Please, Sandy, with the microphone, if you would, please. Thank you. One through six, thank you. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Thank you. So these are strong words. Um, and uh, with that, let me just open it up like Pastor Bill has taught us to do it. It's a great way to open up conversation. What strikes you? What jumps out or what stops you as you listen to these words or read these words? Questions or thoughts? Kevin. 
I've, I've actually occasionally dealt with pigs, and this is one of the rare moments where they're properly portrayed in literature. This is what they're like. They're going to tear you up. Pigs Just will tear you up? If you mess with them, they will tear you up. Okay. I've never been that close to a pig, but okay. Thank you. All right. So he knows something about pigs. Good. Anybody else? Anything strike you about these words? Is anybody here? Here? We got one over here. Okay. Hi, Gordon. Yes. Okay, Cynthia. Well, this is talking about judging. It's not talk about. It's not talking about discerning. Okay, uh, distinction between discerning and judging. Okay, all right. Um, any? Well, Gordon was next. Pastor Pastor Beck. Basically, what Cynthia was saying. Okay. Now, oftentimes we use this to. A bit little, maybe, people who have a discerning mind about things. Okay. To caution yep. them about what they're talking about. Okay. But I think we go through life uh, yeah. constantly making decisions that show that we need the gift of discernment. Okay. Discernment. Two votes for discernment. Okay. Good, strong uh, comment. David, and is it David? Nigel. Da- uh, N- Nigel. Yes, yeah, sorry. Um, you know, what always strikes me with this is that um, in the second part of verse 5, uh, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So there is still, like, a call in a way to be judgmental. It's just it's with humility knowing that when you approach someone, I was, I remind my kids of this because they don't like being corrected. Yes. But it's like, I'm not trying to tell them I'm perfect when I tell them that they're, you know, when I try to give them guidance or instruction. Yes. I know that I also have a big log in my eye and I was actually twice the idiot that any of my kids were when I was a kid. Okay. But at the same time, you know, it's not, this is not like a call to refrain from any, sort of judgment, uh, what I guess what our culture now would consider to be judgmentalism, you know, or, or being overly judgmental. Okay. It's not, we're not being told not to do that. It's just to do it with humility mm. and, okay, you know. All right. Yeah. Good. So do it with humility. Yes, Pastor. Um, in my devotional reading this morning, I was reading First Corinthians chapter 5. Yes. And it reminded me that in the Bible there's all kind of drums, and whatever drum you find, you can find sticks to beat on it. Yeah. This is St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, right. not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, the list goes on, a reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those, in, is it not those inside the church who we are to judge? Okay. God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Yeah. Woo! Heavy. Paul, yes. Okay. So, uh, 
judging is spreading out in terms of what it's mean, what it means and what its application is. And even in this passage, the red letters of Jesus here, uh, do not judge. Well, isn't he making a judgment there? I mean, it, it's inherently carrying a sense of discernment or judgment or determination of what's right and what's wrong. Uh, what is God-pleasing and what's not God-pleasing. So let's think of some examples. Now, you started us off, Nigel. Uh, let's hear some examples of uh, judgment. Ju- oh, oh, please, hot table going on. Um, first name, please. Kathy. Kathy, go ahead. So all I guess I would say is that it seemed to me that Jesus ate with some of those people. Jesus did what? Ate with some of those people. Oh, yeah. And associated with some of those people. And there's no way to help those people if you're not around them. Yeah. Okay. So when he ate with them, these are the folks, yeah, tax collectors, you know, scumbags, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Judgment happening, and then he responds in that way. Excellent. Uh, Yes, Pat. At times, our vanity gets in the way. Please speak louder. At times, our vanity gets in the way. Vanity. Yes. And also we, called pride, maybe. And we judge others yes. by looking without looking within ourselves. Okay. So what we don't like about ourselves, we reflect that onto somebody else. Yeah. Right. You know, we, we're supposed to be here for 45 minutes or so. I think we're all done. We can go home. That's it. Okay. So that's right. Pride, if there's a log in the eye that is dominant, it, it probably is pride. Vanity, arrogance that prohibits us from admitting and seeing what is in front of the mirror and beneath the skin inside of us. Yes. Um, please, Sally. Take a mic there, please. I'm trying to figure out the jump. There's five of the ju- okay, Sally doesn't understand verse 6 and the jump between 5 and 6. Well, uh, I had the option to exclude 6 <laughs> but, <laughs> because it is different. I can, but I threw it in there because it's there and because it is an example of judging that Jesus is exercising. We, I mean, it falls under the same word. Uh, you know, you don't throw... Uh, Pearls to swine, or whatever it says, and um, uh, what's unholy to dogs. Discernment is needed that is judgment as well. So uh, already we're beginning to understand that uh, judgment means more than one thing. Okay, and um, let, let me share with you one thing, if I may. Yes, John. Life is full of occasions where we have to judge others, particularly I think of school teachers, they have to make a decision of, of whether this student is adequate or not. Yes. Yeah. Uh, handing out grades or writing up reports and yes, Dan. At the same time, I've been told that that passage means don't judge somebody to hell. Don't condemn them. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. I would say you've been told correctly. From what my understanding is, when I was a camp counselor, 
uh, an older teenager in Ohio, Camp Moana, and uh, spending my summers there for three years or so, uh, every Sunday afternoon I'd, I'd get a whole new batch of eight to ten-year-old boys for my cabin, between five and, t- and twelve of them. And uh, they would come in on Sunday afternoon all kind of sheepish and wondering what this is all going to be about. And, and then they see bunks in there. Like, who's going to sleep on the top bunk? And they start figuring out who's going to sleep where when they come in and first come, first serve. And we try to try to give them rules and how we're going to live together for this week together. And uh, it's, it's usually pretty placid. They're pretty receptive and compliant. But by the time Wednesday gets there, there's major power struggles going on. And there's major arguments and wrestling behind my back and, you know, racing to see who can be first and all the things that kind of. So Wednesday became known as hump day and a counselor with cabin. If they could get by hump day, then it was downhill the rest of the week, you know. Uh, So in order to deal with hump day, what I would inevitably end up doing is kind of rising above the roar below my armpits and say, Attitude check. <clears throat> Everybody kind of look at me, what's he talking about? And I would say, hey, it's time for us to drop back and remember why we're here, who we are, and how particularly we're trying to learn to relate together this week. I don't know what words I used. Those are pretty lofty words for eight-year-old boys, but you know what I mean, getting along. I would say that relates to a recent experience of mine uh, where I expect I experienced judgment. And recently, I don't remember the conversation, what started it, but Joyce was sharing with me how she had just learned that in our recent, in our previous town of Bel Air, Maryland, where we kind of moved from that area, um, she learned that uh, one of the, Citizens, one of the residents who grew up in Bel Air, Maryland, is now the owner of the Cleveland Browns football team. I said, that perked me up. I said, wow, okay, tell me more. Well, he must have grown up, and he knew how to handle numbers, and he loved football, and uh, somehow he became, you know, this successful enough to, to own a whole football franchise. And all the while she went on, and I was so Excited, I was starting to feel a little inflated and famous myself. And <clears throat> uh, then at the end of it, she said, yeah, and he relates really well with the team there because he's black and uh, he, he, he did a great, he's doing a great job from what she had heard. And at that moment, I got convicted because I had in my mind a young, successful white man. God dinged me. Fell off the scaffold. Uh, in a, she doesn't even know about that. But I became aware of that voice and a correction that needed to happen. And nobody else said anything but the Holy Spirit was inside of me. It was an attitude check, an attitude conversion that was uh, initiated at that point. I, I need to be on guard of that kind of regard that is unholy. You know, it's like uh, um, food for the dogs. It's it's not good. It's not pleasing. It's not what God wants. So <clears throat> how have you experienced 
judgmentalism in the church. Uh, could be a war story. Could be you uh, being caught like I was, uh, that is, as the one who is delivering judgment. Or it could be you who is receiving a sense of being judged. Um, so uh, judgment can happen around money. Judgment can happen around appearance, clothing, body shape, size. Judgment can happen around age, too young, too old. Not here long enough. Judgment can happen around gender. I won't go very far down that road. Um, judgment can... How many of you have ever been irritated with a kid in worship? Come on, fess up. All right. Could be your own kid, right? <laughs> Too noisy. What are they doing? And then that transfers over to the parent. Why don't they know they're spending you know, grumble, groan, and I'll worship us out the window. And uh, okay, um, or um, the way we take communion—that's really probably God is grimacing. It's not the way you do it. I don't know. Ever have those experiences? Ever receive such experiences? My previous congregation celebrated 150 years at one point, and uh, I heard stories of a long time ago and when it was just starting in a log cabin on the north side of Baltimore. Um, uh, they were handling their stewardship this way. This is how you would motivate people to grow in their giving of their finances. At the end of the year, every member of the congregation had their financial giving record printed up with their name at the top and posted on the door of the church so they could all read it. Oh. <laughs> it's like a thesis, yes. <clears throat> Big door, small congregation, I don't know what, but it just uh, curdles my, my nerves to hear, hear that story. Um. Judging others, uh, how, do you, how do you think, and maybe you have heard, if you have, I'd love to hear about it. Um, how do you think King of Glory is regarded, our reputation, outside of the congregation, regarding uh, this notion of being correct, being ex acceptable, being judged, or being approved how do you how do you think that is out there or maybe you're recently coming to the congregation and you have had some kind of uh, an impact some kind of an experience yes please a first name a brand new members of the austins lee yes i think i can speak to that my wife and i just joined new members and what struck me about the congregation here over any congregation I've been a part of my entire life was the welcoming attitude that everyone had. In fact, it was non-judgmental, and it was um, take you as you are, uh, 
it just put me at such peace and comfort to realize that it, it became my church home. It was instantaneous for me. Okay. Yeah. Very simple, you know, formula. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. For... I'd like to add one other thing. Not to sure. pull you away, but, you know, reading this Bible verse, and I read it this morning, the Red Letter Challenge, and the um, author, I forget his name, his pastor, um, Zinder, thank you, especially Zingrap. Um, it's, it occurred to me, the more I thought about this today, that people that have planks in their eyes, he made the point that when you have the plank in your eye, you wipe out everything in front of you. Yes. You, know, you, can't, you can't see the obvious. Right. And then um, I tried to extrapolate on that a little bit, and I'm thinking of people in my life uh, that are very judgmental and having to deal with them, and I've I think part of this passage here relates to that they um, use their words to to um, make up for what the plank is wiping out their their words and their vocalizations of their their judgmentalness and their their accusations. I think when you're judgmental, you lose your humility, you become accusatory. Yes, and those words tend to clear the path for you. Okay. You know, and, and I think that's, they don't realize they're doing it because they've wiped out everything with, you, with that plank. Okay, yeah. so that let's key off of that a little bit. What do you think, um, uh, spinning off of, is it Lee? What Lee was saying, what are the root, some of the root causes possibly of judging others? What could we identify? Because we need help looking at the, the mode of causation of, of this kind of behavior. Yes, Cynthia. Knowing that we may be more wretched, so in order to look good, we judge someone else. Okay, yes. And maybe okay. looking wretched is harsh, but... Yeah. Or just something's not right inside. Yeah, my self-esteem is poor. Self-esteem, right. Self so it's a way of self... to judge someone else. Self-elevation... By putting somebody else down, kind of defines bullying, doesn't it? Uh, first name again, Kyle. All the way over, Greg. Okay. Uh, uh, that's helpful. We need to get at what's causing this stuff that comes out of our mind, our mouths, also on our faces. You don't have to say a word to be judgmental. Your body language can really do a job. And, you know, so Joyce and I have a lot of sign language at home. We know. Right. Go ahead, Kyle. So one of the things that I was thinking about is people that I judge. And the people that I judge the most are, is my family. So like my siblings. Yes. So I look at the choices that they make, and that's what I judge. So uh, raising kids, uh, financial decisions, or just life decisions. Yes. And it's not necessarily a negative judgment. It's more like I probably wouldn't do that. Okay. So what, from what kind of motivation do those kinds of judgments come towards your family uh, and decisions that family members make, siblings make, that you don't or wouldn't make? What, what's inside of you that you think stirs up that kind of regard for your siblings? Could be different things. Okay. Okay. 
Okay. So I would challenge you, Kyle, okay, when you have that experience again, and you will probably, to uh, look at the little yellow flag that goes up from this time together and ask, Lord, help me to see what I don't see from where this comes in my regard for my sibling. Yes, sir. I, I too, lived at Bel Air. Really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> okay. And uh, speaking to what you're talking about, people, if they see somebody different, they're may be afraid of that person. Fear. For example, this iPad. Yes, tell us. Like the first time I wore the iPad, I was afraid to go out in public. Yes. But then I said, back with it. I'm going to go out. Good for you. So, I, the, yes. so then I went out to my thousand restaurant. Uh-huh. And there's this gentleman over in the other booth in another booth yeah and he's looking at me and going what the heck is the matter with that guy yeah okay. he's wondering what the really there's nothing nothing in matter with me yeah it's just i have to wear the eye patch because if i don't i see double and if i wear that i see single good for so you it's fine good for you. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me what your name is because we haven't met yet. Oh, Greg. You're Greg. Craig. Oh, Craig. And your last name? Cummings. Craig Cummings. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Fear is a motivation. Kathy. I think another reason <clears throat> that people do it is to sort of, I don't know if insulate is the right word, but they want to believe that if something bad happened to someone else, or there's something going on in that person's life. It can't happen to me because I didn't do the things that they did. They did X, Y, Z, and that's why they deserved for this thing to happen to them, although uh, that's not really how it works. Yeah. I think there's a tendency of people to judge people and blame them for the things that have happened to them so that they can say, well, that would never happen to me because yeah. I'm not like that. I must be better, huh? Another roundabout. Yeah, yeah, Amy. Yes, please. Yes, thank you. I just had a thought that I'm just very thankful uh, for King of Glory because I've really grown as a person, I feel like, in the judgment area with our mission statement of showing that everyone may know the love of Jesus yeah. um, and trying to sometimes wash away my, I guess, traditional values are are good um, and maybe sometimes I think interpretate how people may interpretate interpret scripture or traditional values might be more important than maybe being able to relate to somebody who may not have the same values you do. Um, and that may come up as a judgmental wall that they may not feel the love of Jesus. And for example, my <clears throat> sister-in-law has completely left the church altogether where she used to go to a church and she felt judged based on a personal decision yes. she made yeah. and now is not even has chosen not to attend church necessarily, um, yeah. but I'm just thankful that I feel like King Glory has been such a, um, I don't know, Pastor Harmon and the rest of the congregation has done a great job 
about reminding us always to show others um, the love of Jesus first. Yes, thank you. Welcoming means accepting, and Peter's got a comment. It means, Amy, just to bridge, uh, I think behind your comment, too, is safety. Safe, it's a safe place, it's a safe community. I can be myself, even if I disagree with someone else. Peter, go ahead. Yeah, I would uh, offer that uh, one, of, one of the strong motivations for being judgmental probably comes from power or authority. And I, I don't mean that uh, in the sense of anyone or anything or any organization, but just the concept itself. When somebody uh, within a group has been selected <coughs> me, or elevated to have a certain amount of authority within a group, well, then you're relying on that person to exercise a sense of judgment over yes. whatever matters it, yes. it could be. Um, the scripture you've uh, selected for tonight talks about uh, the measure or the standard that you use as the standard or measurement that will be Houston. applied to you as well. Yeah. Uh, there's only one standard that's uh, irrevocable, and that's God's standard. He's clearly said, uh, as he set up the, the nation of Israel, this is right and this is wrong before me. And yet, look what happened uh, as uh, the Pharisees developed. This is clearly what God said. So let's add on just little pieces that uh, ended up being so many additional rules on top of what God had already said. Yeah. And who, who made that judgment call? Now, who who applied that standard to be laid over the standard that that God did, and yet we see that uh, in in our society, you know, every day we have our laws, and yet somebody has to make a judgment. We need laws, don't we? We do. And yet we know the law is limited. It has a purpose, right. but it's limited. It does bring judgment, and hopefully, uh, to to the well-being of uh, of people. Um, but nevertheless, it is limited. It eventually uh, leads us to death, if that's all there is. Uh, instead, it leads us to uh, the gospel, the good news that we see of God and most clearly in Jesus. Barbara. <clears throat> I have a judgmental challenge every Thursday. I work at volunteering at the harbor at St. Bede's. Okay. And it's you just can't be there without judging people. I mean, these are people that are mentally challenged. They're dirty. Uh-huh. They're uh, just and, – and you you think the worst when you see them. But you have to get past that. And for one thing, you don't know their backstory. Okay. How do you get past it? I I don't always. Okay, but you go back. I accept that they have major, major issues. Okay. You accept people with issues. I accept them. You can can disparage the issue, perhaps, but not the person. Well, it's just you you just don't know what they've been through. Sure. But they all have, I mean, you, you can't not think of them as, Homeless people. That's How do you what, love the person? It's who, what they are. 
How do you love the person who is offensive to you, obnoxious in your uh, experience of them? Okay. All right. Therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Okay. That's where we're headed. Okay. We we can we can uh, certainly give a long list of experiences of judging and being judged. One more, Cynthia, if you have. Just because you judge someone doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. We we judge sometimes because of love. We judge what our children do and want to make yes. that correction. That's discernment. And yes. and today we're so afraid to judge that we have lost the clear sense of right and wrong and God's direction and what we're supposed to tell people. Right. Okay. Thank you. That's that's kind of what I want to step into. Okay, very much. That that's that's good. The word, uh, the Greek word, and I am not a Greek scholar, so I go to the big fat book and look up what does this mean. Uh, the the Greek word for judge here is krino. Thank you, sir. And uh, krino has a wide range of meaning, namely uh, a judicious with wisdom towards a healthful kind of resolution or direction. Um, it can mean also discernment, uh, clarity about what is beneficial or not, what is life-giving or life-death-producing, rather. And then also it means condemnation. As you said, Dan, it means condemning somebody to go to hell. Now, <clears throat> my... My personal experience of that is kind of like, yeah, but that's also an attitude. I mean, I don't go around telling everybody on the road, go to hell, okay? <laughs> but I do drive down the road quite frequently, and I have words to share with, usually it's a woman. You see, this is a safe place, so I can get it out. I'm getting it out. No, it's not usually a woman, but they're in the left lane. They're in the left lane, and, and oh, my gosh. But, you see, if I were really to get into that, that attitude without checking it, without getting it, uh, pulling out the log of my eye, then they would be, they, they'd probably go to hell, okay, so I can get by. And how many times I have been rescued by God with a slow driver in front of me? because there's a speed trap or an accident or something else that is just a mile down the road. So, uh, there, it, it, judging, if, it, it means different things. It can mean, well, it's not for me to judge. No discernment is needed, okay, because whatever happens, that's, it's an attitude. Permissiveness, you might say. Um, or to each his own, right? Uh, I'm not going to judge. Um, relativism uh, creeps in. And we, we need to have judicious guidance. Uh, God's word, his sense of morality. That's a sermon on the mount, all, all there. It's all there on wealth and, and people and piety and how to behave and relate. Uh, there's a healthy prescription for the kingdom of God on earth that's unfolded there in, in those chapters. 
in that in that teaching. But it all requires some sense of judgment, not condemning somebody to go to hell. Okay. So uh, when we do that, <clears throat> when we express to someone that behavior, Gordon, is not acceptable. Thank you very much. <clears throat> then I know you would challenge me, but for some people, <laughs> they would just never come back again. Okay. That's what repels people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what brings the label of hypocrisy to the church. Big, we could have a huge label across our front door, as, which is the church of hypocrites, because not only would it be true, but it also would be true to the people who look so much at, at the church and say, well, you say one thing and you do something else. You talk about love and peace and joy, but you don't treat me that way when I walk inside. You know, I'm not wearing the same kind of clothes that you that you folks wear. Uh, I don't have the same kind of mannerisms or, or the cultural uh, whatever, uh, language skills, or maybe I have an odor to my body because I didn't have a good place to sleep, whatever. You know, things like that. Uh, it repels or it attracts. Okay, Lee and wife Lisa? Lisa, it's attractive. Why does this congregation grow? There's a huge welcome mat that I would say, Pastor Harmon, God the, Ho God the Holy Spirit is, has helped to nurture and multiply uh, among the, all the corners of this congregation. That we're, now, <clears throat> what do we need in society? When you go to work, you're interacting with people at the rec center, wherever the conversation is going to be, and you want to talk about who you're going to vote for next week or next fall. Wisdom. Okay. How can we have conversations <clears throat> with people who are of a different political view or different um, social policy view than us? How can we have disagreement, just a conversation, <clears throat> if there's not um, uh, a place of safety in the relationship? We have to be able to disagree and respect each other, even though we don't share the exact same views on things, even within the congregation. Uh, we have to be able to know that God will work and, and bring his, his word to light uh, through uh, conversations that happen unexpectedly, uh, turning on light bulbs for us to see better, because the log gets pulled out. <clears throat> so what does Jesus do with the woman? Got two minutes, okay. What does Jesus do with the woman who's caught in adultery? <clears throat> Jesus is the one who shows us how to offer judgment <clears throat> that does not condemn. Okay? Well, she's caught, she's surrounded with men. They all have stones. And, of course, the main issue of that particular story, I think that was yesterday in the red letter thing, uh, <clears throat> was where was the guy she was with? Why isn't he in there? Okay. <clears throat> Well, put that issue just aside a little bit. Uh, Jesus gets down and he plays in the dirt. Love the way the author describes this story. And, uh, and says, well, who among you has, <clears throat> whoever has not sinned, go ahead and throw the first stone. And, you know, eventually they, they walk away. Uh, he doesn't turn around and say, you all are going to hell if you don't shut up, okay? <clears throat> he doesn't do that. 
what we see in Jesus in his judgment of us as well is a Savior who corrects with compassion, with grace undeserved, again and again, forever, always. And so when you and I are having difficulties with our attitudes towards each other or when we feel like we're being belittled because somebody else has control issues or something, <clears throat> we need to... When you say, Jesus, okay, help, please pull out, help me get rid of that log first. So there's self-awareness, so there is a humility, and then there is uh, that ability to receive uh, the grace and love of God to make us whole. And that become forgiven, and we can be forgiving, and we are forgiven. So <clears throat> you each, each of you have your little um, piece of mulch. I don't know where the bucket went, but that's okay. <clears throat> Each have a piece of mulch. <clears throat> so not only is mulch uh, a cover-up, but your little chip I, uh, I offer to you as uh, a part of the log for your own eye. Okay. So keep the chip and let it serve as a visual nudge reminder for you Place it wherever you want, your pocket, your purse, on the dash, on the windowsill, on wherever. Let it be in a place where you will kind of stumble in towards it. It could be on the dash of your car, okay? Some place where you might be reminded, I've got, I've, got a, I've got a log there, Lord. Help me see so I can be the person you want me to be, okay? Amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and His people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org. 